Hey there, treasure hunters. If you enjoy what the Ironbound Chest does, please consider leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. Doing so helps to spread the wealth inside of the Ironbound Chest to other listeners, adventurers, and fellow treasure hunters. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Well, hello there, young adventurer. I've been waiting for you. We've met before, don't you remember? Ah, no worries. I'm quite forgetful myself. The other sparks are waiting for you. Avaiath, Shuey, Theo, and Brandy. They've had such wonderful tales to tell. A truly marvelous story. I wonder which one of them will be the chosen one. Perhaps none of them will. Perhaps it will be you. The morning's coming soon. I have to leave now. Will I see you again? I sure hope so. Is a story really a story if there's no one to tell it to? Well, goodbye for now, adventurer. Chosen Ones is a visual novel-style D&D podcast on YouTube that releases every Thursday at 1pm CST. Find us on Twitter at Chosen Ones D&D. Come adventure with us. You're listening to The Ironbound Chest. Our topic for discussion this month is imagination, and today, I'm sitting down with Grayson and Hannah from Ghost on the Train. Let's add some wealth to the chest. Hello everyone, and thank you for opening the Iron Down Chest. My name is Austin Moraga, and today I am joined by Greg, the GM on Ghost on a Train, and Hannah, who plays Andrew Anderson on Ghost on a Train. Thank you so much for, for joining me, the two of you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm excited. Obviously, yeah. I, As I said before recording, I just got done having a really, really fun discussion with uh, Stefan and Guy, your two other members, um, all about the monthly topic of imagination, which is pretty much all about how we perceive the games that we play uh, through our mind's eye. So, but... Before all that, I would really love to know how you guys have been doing this week. Uh, doing all right, all right. Um, just <laughs> like in general, just today we uh, we stood in in line outside for like an hour for some ice cream. <laughs> yeah, Hell the world yeah. is the world is fully falling apart. But other than that, I'm great. Nice, yeah. <laughs> I wish I had like a place to go for ice cream around where I live right now. It'd be Aww. so nice. It's so hot. Well, good. I'm glad you guys have been. Uh, seemed like you haven't been fun. Was it? It was a good ice cream though. <laughs> it was. It was decent. We. It was an event for meeting a senator, which was weird. So that was mostly the yeah. draw. The the idea was the, the senator, ice cream was secondary. The idea was the senator <laughs> would give us the ice cream, but it went for so long and the line was so long that it said he just went out to the line and said hello. And uh, oh, then wow. we were like, well, we've been in this line for so long. We are getting well. ice cream. <laughs> I'm getting my damn ice cream. I was just going to ask what flavors you guys got or what was available. Got I, some matcha. I got cookies and cream. It was one of those ice cream shops that has ice. like weird ice cream flavors. Like oh, matcha. yeah. Like matcha. <laughs> there was spicy peanut butter, which is a weird thing to even conceptualize. Uh, yeah, I don't like peanut butter. It's just in general. So pi- spicy peanut butter. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you're both weird. 
I don't either. And yeah. Greg and my friend were giving me shit about it. Hey, don't give people who don't like peanut butter shit, man. Yeah. There, there, there are dozens of us. Yeah. <laughs> just weird. <laughs> well, I, it's a little weird, but it's not a thing that you need to be mean about. I won't be sorry. <laughs> Hannah, you're my friend and I care there about you. you. I'm sorry I was mean. Okay. Aw. So loving already. Uh, well, <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> I will not lie. In our in the past interview with your friends, we kind of did some shit talking. So I'm wondering if that is <laughs> has if, if this is the moment for shit talking, or if we're gonna get into it a little bit later, though. Oh damn! Did they uh, shit talk it, us? <laughs> no, 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 okay. no. They were. We were we were pulling jabs at each other for uh, like certain characters uh, or their, like the characters they play and like some of their inspirations. But I'll say this: like it was all in good fun, you know. We were yeah, we yeah, were all yeah. laughing. Then consider not that my mean. first good-natured ribbing of you. Don't, You're weird for not liking peanut butter. Don't even <laughs> yeah, worry about it. I'm always down to be mean to Greg. Perfect. All right. <laughs> all right. You got to come, and Greg. Well, to get into things, I want to ask both of you my golden question, Mm -hmm. which is, what do you treasure most about tabletop role-playing games? So, for me, I first started playing RPGs when I was nine. My dad was really into D&D, and he ran, like, me and my brother and my mom through, like, a little AD&D thing. So I had that character sheet, and I don't remember much of it. Like, I, I remember Thacko... And um, and I remember my character sheet had a thing on it that said uh, bend bars, lift gates, and it was like a 20% chance. And I remember seeing that and little nine-year-old me was so taken aback and I was like, if I'm like brave enough, if I try, there's a chance I could bend bars, I could bend steel and like, I don't know, just the... The courage to swing for the fences that RPGs inspires is something that I really treasure whenever I play and whenever I run. I try to also like give the opportunity for my players to swing for the fences and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's like a that's a, the thing that really I, I really treasure. It's good. So I this feels cliche, but I just like having a good time with my friends. I started playing RPGs because Greg and I went to high school about uh, together and he was running his first campaign like my my junior sophomore year Um, and he was like telling me about it and he was uh, clearly delighted uh, about everything he was talking about and he was like that sounds I I was like that sounds fun and he was like do you want to play? Um, and I knew at that moment that I was like going, I kind of had to, uh, <laughs> but I remember I, that group was like full of people I didn't know super well. Uh, mm-hmm. and I feel like it was fun to like get to know them through playing together. And like throughout the years, I've played a lot of games with people that I didn't know super well when I started playing. And I feel like I've gotten to know them through their play styles and through like screwing around as we're waiting to start or have just finished. And it's just, I think I love the storytelling in the game playing, but I think for me, uh, my favorite aspect of RPGs is always like the 
out of game friendships that either form or get stronger through playing. I really love both of those answers, honestly. Like, and they're they're two that I haven't come across yet. To where for like you, Hannah, like you know, having the fun with with you know, like you said, sometimes they're strangers, but most of the time they're friends. Though it is things like tabletop role playing games, and you know, popular, most popular, obviously being D anD D right now, really opens up so many opportunities to. Well, maybe not right now since of this whole damn pandemic, <laughs> but but way back in the before four time. It gave you so many opportunities to go to a table full of strangers and then create a basically, you know, a new set of friends or even like a strong bond between people that is is really important for others to experience, especially for people who are looking for a fun time. Something like a tabletop role playing game is the perfect avenue, I think. Mm-hmm. And but like. I, I love your story, Greg. About you're like nine years old. Like I can bend bars and break steel. <laughs> it's such a cute image in my head of like I can do anything. It's he it's also so cool. still fully plays like. <laughs> <laughs> we have. I think um, that's important. I do too. No, it's fun to. I'm like a less swing for the fences type person by nature, and I like that RPGs allow me to do crazier stuff but also it's very fun to like watch people who are a little better at thinking outside the box <laughs> I don't like, mean, like better better i think you you you're very clever when you play like you're a good player too all it's right. just it's just i'm crazy you are crazy and it's fun there you go i love that well basically the main question i have for for the topic of imagination kind of is what first forms in your mind or what first forms in, in your imagination when someone says, you know, hey, let's play a tabletop role-playing game? Like what, what's the first kind of experience that your mind goes to? And if it ties into what you were just saying about like the fun and stuff like that, that's great though. But if you want to expand on like a specific, maybe a specific moment or moments that are just like, oh yeah, I remember that time I was, I, one of your friends, I can't remember who was like, I was fighting against a, a fire giant in the caves and stuff like this and, and stuff like that. So so just like good distinctive memories you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. If you have any good specific memories that you can think of about playing. I think the thing that gets me excited for playing an RPG with people uh, and when somebody's like, hey, want to play is, yeah, this is going to sort of go back to that swinging for the fences thing just, just seeing how we can like impress each other and like and like like not even trying to like showboat or something but there are just like moments where uh your friend does something really unexpected or a stranger does something really unexpected and you like uh, mess around with it I, I think um hannah you're here so this is a story involving you oh, yeah, yeah. but i was uh i was running <laughs> a game once and um hannah's character had this uh like nice tragic backstory and I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm going to, um, I'm going to use this backstory. Like she was part of like uh, a sort of, uh, she was, she was part of a, a bandit group. And so I had these bandits like attack this tavern or like in a similar fashion. And then after the dust cleared, the, the other players were like, what's up with that? You seem to recognize them. They sort of recognized you. And then Hannah, you did this, like you busted out. <laughs> this freaking like monologue <laughs> and like mustard forth like tears sounded like tears and oh it was God. just like it was like 
I was like so taken aback because I was just expecting like, how oh, man, how's she going to confront this? And then it was just like, oh, this is a very dense moment. <laughs> that was fun. I remember that. You, <laughs> that was like the third session of that year long campaign too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was playing with people I didn't know. <laughs> Uh, that, that sounds was fun. so good. Though. Like, <laughs> I I want to know. Like, do you remember much about that uh, about that experience? Then I do. It was the first thing that I think of when people say, "Let's play uh, an RPG." Is ooh, what character am I going to create? That's like yeah. that's my my other favorite part of RPGs. Is I really like characters. I I like to write when I'm, you know, not playing RPGs. And I always, it's my favorite thing to write about is is like you, people and their personal struggles, even in like fantastic worlds. So I usually, I mean, depending on how long I have to sit with thinking about it, I usually go super hard on backstory and like drama. And I remember, I remember that because I had this whole backstory for this character and in the lead up to that campaign, Greg had been like, oh yeah, that's great. I'm going to use that. Like, they're probably going to show up at some point. And I was like, oh, that's great. But I did not think it would be <laughs> as soon <laughs> as it was. <laughs> um, so honestly, in my head at, at that moment, I was like, well, I've just met all of these people, both in and out of the story. Um, and the, they, there's no, I haven't laid a great emotional foundation, but <laughs> this is my tragic backstory and I'm going to go for it. <laughs> You're about <laughs> to get a whole info like, dump. Yeah. Cause I had been like thinking about this character and like how she would react to these people showing up for a while before we started playing. So I was like, well, <laughs> time to pull oh it out. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. I honestly do. That's so funny. Do you feel like, well, maybe not do you feel, I'll, I'll ask that question later. I want to know, I want to bring it to present day right now. I want you to, I, I guess you say you're the, the DM or the GM, uh, Greg. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess this question might be more for Hannah right now. I would love for you to, to give me a description and just kind of tell me about the character you play on Ghost on the Train. Sure. I play Andrew Anderson. So the premise of Ghosts on a Train is, I mean, more or less what it sounds like. We're on a train and we fight ghosts that pop up on the train. But it takes place in this kind of like steampunky, dystopian-ish world where there's a lot of bad things going on. And my character, Andrew, is is a young girl she's like 13 and she's an orphan and she as like a goof at one point <laughs> snuck onto this train just because her other friends in the orphanage like kind of <laughs> dared her to and she ended up getting involved in a ghost fight and also messing up some cargo uh and so now she owes the train some money so she oh my God. <laughs> works as a line bull clearing ghosts off this train which is it's a fun time if only because <laughs> it's really fun to watch people uh or other characters over and over again and be surprised that I'm 13. <laughs> because 
because it's very much, it's a world, like, I remember Greg, like, pitching this game to us and going, like, yeah, it's a really dangerous job, and, like, you need, like, uh, to be, you know, really aware of what your reason is for, for wanting to do it because the mortality rates are so high. And I was like, cool, I'm going to be a child. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. There's a kid on board. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because of the setting you're talking about, like, it seems like it would really fit that there would be a child on this train. Like, in all honesty, like, come on, child labor laws and crap like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. it's we, it, We're borderline, like, Charles Dickens level of like <laughs> tragic poverty and stuff. So oh, I imagine like a child line bull is like how how like powder monkeys used to just be like yeah. kids on ships that would like small enough to climb into cannons. So it's like yeah, you're, it's you're, weird. You're, you're a trained powder monkey. <laughs> it's so weird. Like just just thinking of that like powder monkey line bull. What is the deal with like? these weird like verminy you know just like animalistic terms for like children workers what is that yeah that's kind of fucked up uh, i think yeah. it's definitely it's definitely like a dehumanizing thing it's definitely easier yeah. to think about them yeah yeah i guess though i guess this question goes to to greg right now but i want to hear your input on it too hannah but i'll ask greg first do you think that imagination is a necessity of tabletop role-playing games or do you think that you can or one could play tabletop role-playing games without much imagination like do you think they'll get the same experience out of it i that's a rough question only because i feel like everybody has some amount of imagination even if they don't think they do but i think yeah. uh, i think that's 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 what separates uh, a tabletop role-playing game from a board game from a, a war game is that extra layer of imagining something beyond uh, have you? Like, mm -hmm. like the rules are important and they like facilitate that sort of thing. But like in a war game, I'm just moving my um, I'm moving my pieces around, checking the ranges, and oh, if you shot this one, uh, that's because your die roll was high enough and he's dead. In a role playing yeah. game, uh, I'm I move this character that's sort of me. <laughs> <laughs> and if you shoot me, I've got to like think on like how do I feel about this? Like it's not like it's just numbers to an impartial yeah. observer, but you got to put yourself in that mindset of like what what do these numbers mean to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's tips are open the games give you that opportunity to like personalize the the thing that you are playing as which really sets it apart from like you said board games and it's a really good point that you made there giving them that extra layer of like gameplay that i just find people like just are so drawn to especially in this day and age where like we mentioned a few times the world is kind of going to shit right now <laughs> yeah. but like it but not even just now you know it's been for for as long as it's been around like such a good way for people to kind of get away from the stressors of life of real life anyway yes. yeah. and just step into a place where it might be more comfortable or or more adventurous or something like that you know and it, it's just a good time that everyone can have though yeah. Yeah, but what about you? Do you feel uh, the same way? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I'm gonna zoom in on like one of the first things Greg said, which I think is I think it would be impossible to play a tabletop RPG without some form of imagination. But I also think mm -hmm. that like I don't think that eliminates anyone from playing because mm -hmm. I think everyone 
does have some capacity for imagination. Yeah. And like people are the one of the things that I think makes it so unique is like that imagination manifests in different ways for different people. Like I've played with people who are one of one of the the DMs in one of the games I'm in now has a really really good head for like magic items and spells and like Ooh. this sort of like like gamey aspects of it and he he really enjoys that and he's wonderfully imaginative with imaginative with that and when i play with him he's always like looking to try and make the next item or like use something in a creative way whereas i i'm not as good at the like gamey type stuff but i have a good time like as I said, delving into characters and busting out yeah. monologues and all that. Like, <laughs> I think tabletop RPGs require a lot of different types of imagination. And you don't have to have all of those types of imagination to be able to play. That's one of the things that makes the collaboration so fun is everyone kind of brings a different type of imagination to the table. Yeah, you're you definitely, I would say you're obviously right there. And it's like, the way I think it's like those people who might look at tabletop role-playing games and say, oh, I, I can't do those types of board games because like, oh, maybe I could never play. I'm not good at being creative or I'm not good at imagining things like that's That's really not true. And exactly like what yeah. you're saying, it just ma manifests in different ways. And it's, it's something where it's just important to kind of like get in there and try it, you know? of just seeing how, like, you know, testing the waters and stuff like that, though, for for people who might be uh, apprehensive about things, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's a good point you make there. Um, well, the way you're talking about, like, in, in being created in different ways kind of goes into my next question of uh, talking a little bit on, like, resourcefulness. And I would love to hear both of your uh, takes on this, though. But, like, imagination can also be you know, very related to resourcefulness and, and just being resourceful, you know, I would love to, for you guys to tell me some of the times where you've been just really resourceful and just using your imagination in, in ways that you, that might not have been expected during your games. I think the single smartest I've ever felt playing an RPG is <laughs> one time. So I was playing wizard. Yeah. You, I'm laughing because I know the story. Yeah. I was playing a wizard. Uh, we were in this dungeon, and my the DM had set up like there was this big brawny knight that we had to beat in one-on-one -on -one combat to advance. Uh, and the, the the way that like they were counting the win is this knight had like two a few like plates on his back that you had to hit and break, and a couple of the other players like went up and tried and he was really strong and it was a really rough fight. And I was like, hey, can I use magic? And he was like, yeah, of course you're a wizard. And I was like, okay, I'll try then. And I walked into the ring and I cast suggestion on the knight and I said, break Ooh. the three plates on your back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, he was, that's good. It was, I was so happy the dm was like i'm gonna go to the bathroom now because i need a moment to process this oh <laughs> <laughs> like sitting on the toilet like head in hands like god <laughs> yeah it's so that's i think the most resourceful i've ever felt while playing like you know taking something 
looking at a problem that was supposed to be solved one way and solving it with something entirely different. And it's always, oh it's always great when, when I can do that and when I can watch other people do that. It's so fun. That's, that's so good. It oh, was man. so good. I'm so proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Greg? What, even, even as a, as a GM, what ways maybe you have been resourceful, maybe like in or out of the game? Yeah, I, that's, that's a really good uh, suggestion because I'm, I'm going to bring up something from Ghosts on a Train, actually. Yeah. yeah uh, just because, um, so so when we're playing, I try to keep it, we play Ghost Lines uh, by John Harper and it's 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 powered by the apocalypse. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say adjacent, but no, it just is powered by the apocalypse. So it's more uh, loose with it. Mm-hmm. And so I try to keep that looseness to when we play. And I always have the players describe uh, train passengers that catch their eye. Ah! <laughs> um, and so I, in my head, I, like, I don't do no prep work. I, I, I prep like the general idea of what the ghost on this trip was going to be. And maybe some passengers, I was like, maybe I have, I have ideas for actions certain passengers might take. But mm-hmm. then I let the, the players like describe the sort of interesting, colorful characters that they'd like to see. And then I sort of have to think on how these different uh, passengers are going to fit into the narrative I've sort of uh, thought up. So it's like a push and a pull. And yeah. generally that's how I, like, it didn't always used to GM like that, but like I've started, I've started really getting into uh, a more collaborative sense of, of GMing and sort of yeah. like, a, and I, I think, I think like, you should you should prep. You shouldn't do zero <laughs> prep. Like I do, I do prep. This is not me irresponsibly saying just wing it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but like the power of improvisation, uh, yeah, is could take your game to the next level. Oh he yeah. Keeps we keeps making the passengers that I come up with the villains, and I'm really mad at him That's about because it. they're just oh. so juicy. They they're fit right not. in. They, That's they some juicy right passages. In. The first character I introduced was just a guy on a unicycle. And you were like, all right, I guess this one is the bad guy. Oh, no. <laughs> so juicy. I love that. <laughs> Uh, it, it's good though. I, I do love that. I really do. Uh, it's interesting because it, it, it kind of plays off of what, uh, what, uh, guy's notion. We were talking about that, something similar. And he was saying that he's, he feels like he's bad with, uh, setting the scenes. I think it was what he, he had, uh, settled on though. But like the way I look at it as, and what ties in with you is that like things like improvisation are so, uh, not just important, but so opening, for for the the story and the game to really take it into just weird and wonderful places mm-hmm. it's just it's i think it's just one of the funner things about these sorts of games though uh do you feel like there's any sort of like the minimum amount of prep that one should do when you're talking about like <laughs> oh prepping <laughs> uh i feel like i feel like you've got to always have a notion of what the conflict is uh, which I mean, it seems pretty basic, but I, I think I've also at least once uh, done a thing where I was like, "I'll figure out what like, I'll figure out the conflict uh, when the players get there, and it goes horribly." Or like, oh yeah, I, I, or or I, I've played with I've played with GM sometimes um, that will like like it's nice to have like a cool down session sometimes where somebody will be yeah. like, "Oh yeah, just do whatever in character," but then 
I've, I've had other times where I've had GMs be like, yeah, just just do whatever. And it's just like, you need to give me some kind of direction. <laughs> like, I, I get that you want to give, you should give your players some feedback uh, or some, some ability to give you feedback. Yeah. But you need to always give them some kind of inciting incident and uh, some notion, perhaps, some, some information they don't know yet is, is also yeah. really helpful. Because then if, if things <laughs> ever stagnate uh, or if they stumble upon that information, you can then turn to uh, yeah. like the next exciting thing. I think yeah. it probably also depends on your the system you're oh, yes. playing. Like I, I've only ever GM'd for Dungeons and Dragons, but I've played a lot of different systems. And I think one of the cool things about about Ghostlines is you can get away with a lot less prep because the the rules are so like the the enemies don't really have like hit points. You're just kind of rolling and then. Greg makes the call for like what it does and and hmm. how long until they're gone. So like the encounters don't necessarily take a lot of prep work. Whereas in something like D and D, if you haven't like statted out your enemies, oh, God, yeah. you're gonna run into some trouble. I think there's like a weird curve with um with games of like with ghost lines at least. And I I've played like Monster of the Week. I haven't run it, but like with with ghost lines and stuff and other like Power by the Apocalypse stuff that works like that, like since the, there's not a lot to prep for the DMs and so much of it is based on the, uh, the roles that as a result, you, you don't need to prep as much. And then D&D, like, there's a lot more that's relying on you. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, uh, if you go further beyond beyond, you almost got to not... Uh, I, I run a game of Stars Without Number, mm-hmm. um, which is a space game. And uh, the players have a spaceship and a key component is interstellar travel, traveling to different worlds. So yeah. whenever uh, the players are in a position to move to another place, I, I've got to look at our little like space map and see all the possible places <laughs> they could go. And then like re- it'd be madness to like come up with an adventure for each one. But I, I like make sure that I've got like a little bit. I've got like the gists, like an outline for each one. And then depending on where they want to go, then I can flesh it out. Yeah. So it's like there's a yeah. little curve to, to prep. <laughs> It's interesting. Do you feel like using the systems that you are playing now? You said Powered by the Apocalypse, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. Ghost Lines is Powered yeah. by the Apocalypse. Yes. Do you feel like a system like that allows you to use your imagination a lot more? Maybe not use your imagination, but like be more creatively in your imagination than, say, D&D, where you have all these, you know, like you said, like stat blocks and stuff like that, and you have to do all this prep, like... Since you're, it seems like since you're just using your mind to just say like, all right, this is where, in my mind, things are are capped at and stuff like that. Do you feel like a, an easier system with what Powered by the Apocalypse does? Do you feel like it it allows for more options to be creative and imaginative? I think that um, one's not better than the other, but th- there's more room for creativity in Powered by the yeah. Apocalypse games since everything's like a move and the moves have like general stuff with the exception of ghost lines is sort of atypical for it because instead of like moves like kick some ass or investigate a mystery <laughs> uh for, for for ghost lines uh the the moves are employ finesse employ force but they, there's still stuff to trigger your imagination like there's still things like oh you do this thing impressively that sort of thing but with D, then then it then it's the onus is on you the onus is on you and the players to really carry it then when all the game gives you is you're employing force, you've done this thing, you've inflicted great harm, 
and you've created some kind of opportunity. Like you, there's a lot mm-hmm. of places you can go with that and that's great for yeah. imagination, but also like it's not helpful. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's not helpful for yeah. imagination. So like a, a stricter system like D&D, it, there's less room for interpretation, but you can you can look at all your spells and be like, oh, this spell does this. I bet if I apply it like this, because I know this guy's a, a knight, uh, so he's this, it's it, different. It's different. I think in D&D, you know, crunchier systems, there are these like moments now and again where you have where you end up applying something creatively where instead of just attacking you'll be like oh can i cut this rope and try and drop a 50 pound ball on you know and i think systems like powered by the apocalypse or less crunchy games necessitate that kind of creativity much more regularly like when i'm when i playing ghost lines uh, or playing Blades in the Dark or like some other, some of the other like less crunchy systems that I've played. Often, like when you're doing a move, the GM will ask, like, what are you trying to do? How are you trying to do it? And it's a lot less, like, it's a lot less simple than in D&D where it's like, I swing my sword, <laughs> cool, you miss uh, or you hit, you do this many points of damage. Like, yeah. So on one hand, I think yes, it. I think yes, powered by the apocalypse and alike brings more imagination into it. But it is also like nice a lot of the time to have the structure of D and D to work within, so that yeah. like sometimes simple is nice. Yeah, yeah. It seems like there's like what what you're describing though is it seems like there's like a lot of pros and cons to both. Yes, absolutely. And I'm not. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not experienced at all in Powered by the Apocalypse. And even even in D D, like I I've only been playing really for about like three years now. So I've still got a lot to learn probably. It's all like, right. I, it's I, all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean like <laughs> part, as long, I think yeah, but like I think as uh, also too, like as long as you're having fun, you know, it that's what matters really. And and to tie into what uh was said before about like, you know, people might not think that they're an imaginative person or creative person, but like you know, maybe finding a system that works best for you, you know, probably is your best bet. Because like D&D obviously is not the only one out there. It's not the mm-hmm. only fun system out there. And weirdly enough, people think it's like the end all be all. And if they can't play D&D, then, you know, they can't play any other tabletop role playing games. Yeah, I like nowadays, I think you see a lot of argument over like, what's a good system? What's a bad system? Um, yeah. And I'm a fervent believer in like, you know, there probably are some good and bad systems, like in terms of how well they're constructed. But I think for the most part, (laughs) it's just a matter of fit. Like if you like super, if you like a lot of numbers and you like long combats and lots of mechanics, there are some systems that will suit you. If you don't like those things and you like just kind of sitting around telling a story, together without much structure there are systems that will suit you hugely vast spectrum on the on the on the you know the that i wouldn't say it's a timeline but on the scale of <laughs> on the scale of tabletop role-playing games though yes. um but it, it is just really interesting though do you guys have any moments of playing where your imagine where like your imagination just like takes control and when i say that i mean like points in playing where you just lose yourself to what is going on and like you have to bring yourself back to reality 
the all-important immersion. Yes. Yeah, it's very much an immersion question. I had one time, and it was definitely because the whole group was feeling it. During that Stars Without Number game, players found a burnt-out ship. Mm, this was and very fun. I, earlier, I had, told, asked, I had asked my players to describe, like, oh, like, a cultural icon from, like, anywhere in space from any time that they, ex hmm. they existed or exist now. And I blindsided my players a bit with this one game I had found uh, Amidst Endless Quiet uh, by Ben, ben Lehman, Lehman uh, L-E-H-M-A-N. It's a diceless game. And so the, the plot of it was all the players are people in cryosleep on the spaceship that's been damaged. And the spaceship AI knows it's dying and has one lifeboat left and has to decide which person in cryosleep it can it's going to like send to safety and the way it does Ooh. that is um it has you got a certain amount of turns and the ai or me the gm uh or not even really the gm it like it gets it muddy like i was a, i was a player essentially uh <laughs> gets to like you can do different things like enter the dreams of the individual people uh, reflect Ooh. on when you talked to them when they boarded. You could talk to them through their dreams. You could check on a time their like cryo dreams intermingled and see them interact with each other. And it was just uh, again no dice rolls, just like character actions. And um, at first we were like at first it was just this nifty little thing of like oh this is so fun like this is this is your stars that number characters reading these logs and stuff like that. And then as my, my turn counter went further down and I learned more and more about my friends pretending to be these cryosleep people, I, I found myself legitimately fretting. Like I legitimately didn't know who would I pick? Who would I save? They're oh, all so no. beautiful. And like, I was Aww. just like, I don't know. I don't want any of you to die. And like, yeah. I, I did eventually make a decision. And I remember I like, I spent my last moves to add ask each and every one of them, like, I please, like, please tell me why I should save you. I need a reason. I like, I, 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 I need a reason to pick one of you over the others. And so like, all save one who was in character when he did give me a reason, all save one were more or less like, you don't have to pick me. Oh my God. And it was just, God, I like, I, after that one, it was such a sweet, <laughs> like, sad thing and then when we when we cut back to like okay you're your stars out number characters and the logs oh, just man. finished and they were all just like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like waking I'll, from like a fever dream or something it was like, a what? i was i i'll actually cite that same because i was i was playing in that i played that stars without number campaign and so i played in this mini game and my character for the cryo sleep i described as uh, sci-fi Steve Irwin, which was like mostly a goof when he asked about it because I didn't think that we were going to have to play these characters. But I was yeah. like on this, I had like brought this little fun alien animal with me onto this ship. And, you know, we, we went through these rounds. We had these conversations. They were all really intense. And I remember by the end when he asked, like, give me a reason to save you. I I had I was just like in this pod with my little like armadillo alien creature and I was like you don't have to save me but if you can can you like please save Chester my my little alien armadillo <laughs> oh, no. creature and I was like I was 
crying real tears and like you and me both man i the the ai did found a like little luggage compartment to freeze my little creature in and so my uh regular stars without number character got to find him afterwards and she now my heart little pet and it was it was just a lot and i i just that was i had to sit for a few minutes after that it was really good ah seriously that's like uh my heart seriously like it's (laughs) I, I don't think I could play that sort of a game. I would it, I so want to. It requires to. a certain level of, of trust and like a certain mood to to attempt games like that or to like find that in other games. I, I find and yeah. like I, I say I blindsided my players with like <laughs> like the fact that we were playing it, but like I, I wasn't I don't blindside your players with like hard <laughs> emotional stuff. I, I the, the blindsiding came from the fact that they were playing these cultural icons that they had just made up yeah i don't think any of i think like it was this really good experience and i don't think any of us were necessary including greg we're like expecting it to get as intense as it got but it it did because we all kind of chose we all kind of chose to play these uh with the exception of one guy (laughs) chose to play these like very good people in this very bad situation god i would love to play a game like that I, it's not that i couldn't i think it's just like in a in a tense moment like that where you're really laying bare a lot of emotional values like i am such a sensitive person i would be like <laughs> i can't do this i can't do this it's a lot oh my god. yeah it's it's i feel like also like the fact that there's no dice right there is like the ultimate form of an imagination game. Mm-hmm. Like I think that very helped. That very much helped like my immersion into it because I, yeah. I had options to pick from, but I was never at one point like, okay, let me roll my like computing power roll. What's the number eight? <laughs> yeah. I was I was always in there as the AI. They were always yeah. in there as their characters. It's just strictly dialogue, no dice. And when you have things like an imaginary role-playing game, obviously dice rolls take you out of that mindset of like, oh, this is just a fantasy game. Mm-hmm. This is all pretend, you know. But like, it's it's almost like method acting, you <laughs> know, in, in a way of just like you you become this person, you are this person, you know. And it's it leads to such special moments like that where. It, it takes a lot of trust for the people around you, like you guys and your friends, you know? It, it would take so much trust for people to open up like that and and not be, obviously you're going to get this, but like, and not be totally goofy about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's an important thing where it's like, this is, especially games like that, it's like the, the point is to be a thought-provoking uh, experience almost to where like, you're not just like, oh, ha, ha, my name is Fart McNugget, you know? And it's like, <laughs> whatever like you could do that but you're not gonna have the same i don't think enjoyment as the rest of your players who are taking this seriously you know yeah unless you you pull like a legendary move and have like this great art with fart mcnugget honestly honestly, that's pretty that i could be into that we also in that stars without number game funnily enough have my character is, she is from like, yeah, she's from this rich planet. She grew up in a rich family uh, and her whole, she has this long arc of like discovering that her father, who's kind of shitty, like learning to accept that he's a shitty father and like 
exploring the world and being like introduced to the evils of the world. And I adore her and I adore playing her and I adore like her whole family and her whole arc, except the reason her family is rich is because her father is the CEO of Dippin' Dots, which somehow, which somehow exists in our okay, sci-fi okay, okay. When we were starting to play, when we were starting to play, Hannah, you, you still hadn't had like- I was, I was like, I think he should, I was, my plan was to have him be like a space hedge fund manager. And I was like, yeah, he's a guy who works at one of those, he's just rich because he's rich and he works at like a money company. And so I, I thought it'd be really funny <laughs> if he oh worked God. at, uh, I thought Dippin' Dots, the ice cream of now, because now Dippin' Dots is the ice cream of the future. <laughs> but in the future, they're the ice cream of now. And it was a one-off joke. And it's unfortunately, oh it was made in the first session. So it's now, it's now colored oh, everything. Man. So there's like, it's a fun balance for us to work to strike because like, He'll, there'll be these really emotionally loaded moments like when we when she ran into her father and when she runs into her family you know about like how she's changed and how she relates to them now and then like greg will stick in a line that's like girl your your heart must be cold like dipping dots and <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> uh that's that's beautiful man and and <laughs> just ridiculous <laughs> yeah i feel it's like the ridiculousness ridiculous. when applied correctly definitely makes it fun but. oh yeah and i mean i feel like we've talked a lot about like really serious things but like having having just like a goofy imagination as well is so rewarding in and of itself okay. just because it gives such enjoyment of of everyone around the table and it's totally fine like i'm not trying to say like you have to be serious in all things oh, imaginative. Oh, totally. yeah it, it is it is equally as important to just have a goofy moments with your friends. That's just like chuckles and laughs and you're just all a bunch of chuckle fucks. And it's just like, <laughs> so, so good. Such a good time though. Just thinking about that fucking dipping. <laughs> it's I like, I forget sometimes when I'm in the middle of some, like we're we're the the place that campaign is now we've like run into her very hyper confident older sister for the first time who's like making these big political moves and sometimes i just have to sit back and think like oh yeah she has political power because she's the cfo of <laughs> dipping dots dipping dots <laughs> <laughs> It's like the echo in the back of your mind. <laughs> you are an heiress of Dippin' Dots. <laughs> it's, it's great just to have that goof, though, to always come back to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. comforting. We've talked about how goofs are also great for when you're playing with strangers to become friends, and then oh, you slowly yeah. turn up. Like, I, for a brief amount of time, my parents moved to Georgia when I was finishing up college, and so a brief amount of time afterwards, I went down to Georgia with them while I was looking for work and stuff. And I didn't have any friends because I didn't grow up in Georgia. I like just graduated college. And um, there was a, a game store that had like an Adventures League table and we played through Tomb of Annihilation. It took us like the entire, like the entire year I was in, like, oh, wow. in the Atlanta area. And I would always go there every Wednesday, uh, barring like holidays or whatever. And we never got to like a super serious heartfelt moment, but we had so many fun in jokes. Mm -hmm. And I like, oh, I, like midway through towards the end, even I was like, or, or like, I, I, I was just really enjoying these like weird Wednesday friends I had 
playing D and D, yeah. And like I, I wasn't. It, it wasn't a lesser game because yeah. it was just silly. It was. Yeah. It, it fit the need that I needed. That yeah, I had. Yeah. You make a good point there about like fitting the need, you know, because these games do fit a lot of needs for a lot of people in many, many ways, like whether it's be comedy or seriousness. And like, I think we touched on a little bit before, but like people looking for things in this day and age of just unwinding in, in whatever, and that could be in whatever way that you unwind, you know, but like, God, you could, you could have so many different avenues of just, just your experiences with with strangers and stuff like that though of goofiness and comfortability and stuff like that though uh that that really makes things like this really really special i would really love to uh for you guys to tell me if if any i'm i'm sure you have some of examples where you used your imagination you were really creative and all these things in a in a very great way but the payoff was totally opposite of what you expected it would be. I don't want to throw a person under the bus, oh, so I'll throw myself under this bus. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, so because I've, I've both already apologized, made amends, and had a redemption for this. Oh, my God. And, and I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have the payoff. So Interesting. Austin, are you familiar yes. with the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition item known as the Ever-Smoking Bottle? Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I have delved into some of the lore about it, yes. Dear listener, oh the Ever-Smoking Bottle is a wonderful item. No, you it's not. You uncork it, and it will heavily obscure an area of uh, 60 feet or 80 feet. It expands. This is great because it's not like darkness or anything, mm -hmm. so dark vision doesn't work. And not only that, but like uh, it's it's not a it's it's a magic item, but it's not a spell or anything. So a little rogue like me can can use it. Uh, now I was like, this is great. Uh, this we were fighting a dude who we we're going up against a guy who was stronger than us, which is par for the course in a D and D game. You got to yeah. use teamwork to defeat somebody stronger than you. And I was like, this is great. Me and the monk will flank him. I'll pull out this ever smoking bottle. I get casters, I guess, could just do some AOEs or whatever, or like spells and whatever. It's it will, it's fine. So I do the bottle, and immediately the DM is like, "Okay, well, you can like hardly see him." And I was like, "Okay, I'll track him down." Like I'm, a, I'm an inquisitive rogue. I'll track him down. Our spell casters. This is the same campaign as Hannah's great suggestion. So Hannah is a wizard in here. I am. And very oh. upset that she can't use any spells or require line of sight. Um, they all require line of sight. <laughs> That's true. Because I didn't, I, I didn't plan this ahead. I didn't like speak to them. I in my head, I was like, yeah, they'll. They'll just use their spells that like don't take line of sight, but like what? That's a bonkers call for me to make. <laughs> like I didn't. Like I, I'm not in charge of what spells Hannah takes, let alone what she prepares. And like our druid yeah. was in the same boat, and I like I royally messed up. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like this was my goal. Like I'll be more careful about this use in the future. I like I was like I really I was like I'm gonna hold on to the bottle because I really believe that this is a great strategy and it'll work at some point. Uh, <laughs> and where we are right now, we've like planned for it. We're like going to fight a wizard soon. And I was like, L I was like, oh shit, ever smoking bottle. Like you guys are ready for it. Prepare your spells that you know will still work. And he was to his credit, very polite about it. 
because we were we were prepping to go up against this wizard and we're all like sitting around like trying to think of strategies and I play a wizard so I'm thinking of the things that have made life most difficult for me and I'm like we could use the ever smoking bottle and Greg is like I was gonna say that but I didn't want to <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh that's so good though that yeah. it's it's again just it seems like it's very goofy but like it's so fun you know and you can have so much good moments with that to, to sidetrack it just goes to show communication is important when you're playing with other people oh, not god, only when yeah. it comes to themes and stuff but also just yeah. playing with parties <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah like communication is key that old saying is so damn true uh <laughs> but it's like it's like in in that kind of situation though it is so much more of an enjoyable moment and so much more fun especially for you as the rogue just be like i whip this out and it's like it's it's it leaves everyone else at a disadvantage you know and it's just like well oops, sorry my combat went on for like two and a half hours too because no oh, one man. could hit anyone <laughs> All according to plan. <laughs> oh, sure. According to plan. It sounds like it. It's so good. Well, in those kind of situations, though, whenever you're trying to come up with stuff like this, like, what what is what you pull inspiration from? Like, and, and it doesn't have to be examples like what we were just talking about, but like, just what fuels your imagination in general? Like, is it, do you guys go with more movies do you do you get inspiration from books or or video games or music or what is it that you as an individual that like just gets your mind running well there's a lot of things right i think i draw a lot from tv i watch a lot of tv <laughs> tv and books i also think i've like reached the point in my rpg history where i draw a lot from like prior campaigns and things that my friends have done in the past there's one story I want to tell, but it's a little too racy, so maybe I'll tell it after we finish recording. Uh, you, you, you should know what this one is. Ha-cha-cha. -cha. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'll, touch racy. I'll tell it. I'll tell it after. That, that, that was just for you, Austin. I'll just tell, for it, you. I'll tell right. it after. I'll watch my friends do all this crazy stuff with these, like, crazy items, uh, and I'll kind of, like, store it away and and for use later. I also, the one time I DM'd, I've run one campaign in my days. Uh, it was 5e and I feel like you're supposed to say your inspirations were like famous people on the internet or TV, but like most of my yeah. inspiration was campaigns that I had been in before with Greg. And I, I thought about how he DM'd and the kind of stories that he told and how he structured things. And I wasn't like copying him. I was telling my own story, <laughs> but I've been lucky in my life to play with a lot of really great D and D and RPG players. And I think probably most of my inspiration comes from them. It's good. That's really, really touching, honestly. Uh, uh, real quick, real quick. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit in the, the interviewer chair real quick, Hannah. Um, so you say you've only run one campaign. Do you, have you perhaps run anything else that you drew inspiration My from something else for? God. Okay, <laughs> so so I watched The Bachelor. It was a mistake, and I started doing it, and now I can't stop. I um, quit you. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and I remember, fuck, it was like two years ago. This one 
group of ours played on played on Thursday. Valentine's Day was on a Thursday. Nobody was dating anyone at that point in time, so none of us had plans. And I was like, I've been watching The Bachelor. I can run Bachelor themes Dungeons oh, and Dragons one shot. <laughs> So I oh, did. I'm the everyone made characters. They I had an NPC bachelor. They it ended up I told them they could be whatever gender identity they wanted to be. We were going to do a like pansexual bachelor. They all ended up playing dudes. So uh it was a <laughs> it, it was like a gay bachelor thing and then the twist <laughs> at the end was the host of the bachelor was actually like siphoning energy from the souls of the oh innocent. my god it kind of has that vibe on the bachelor and it was so bonkers and so fun that it's become kind of an annual thing oh we've done god. it twice by now the host just kind of keeps unexplainably showing up again everyone <laughs> makes like different characters every time it's always just insane so that was that was an example of me drawing very very literal inspiration from something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I have the, never heard. The last character Greg played in our last one. My name is Hannah if you've forgotten. His character's name was uh Henariel and he used a picture of me as her icon. Oh my god. <laughs> We also had, we also have highlights of characters include that there was one of my, the second time we played, one of my friends decided that her mission was to fuck the host. Another, we had once Greg played a like praying mantis man who wanted to get his head eaten. Like that, wait, 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 wait. That was like his kink? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so praying mantises in real life, when they when they get married, the, yeah. the lady praying mantis eats the head of the male praying mantis. Yeah, that I'm aware of. But yeah. like, <laughs> is he wanting to the? Is he wanting his head? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he wanted I, a commitment. I want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was. I was so, a commitment. I was. I was playing a character who was like, I'm going to take the bachelor really seriously, but because I'm a praying mantis man. Uh, it's, <laughs> God. <laughs> it will end in marriage for me, which will result in my head being eaten. But that's how committed I am to finding love. <laughs> wow. Greg Just also wow. watches The Bachelor now because we're roommates and I make him. Um, so I don't think you have to make him. It sounds like he's totally into it. <laughs> Austin, don't want my cover. Oh, sorry, bro. Sorry. But no, like that. Phenomenal. I, I don't think I've ever heard those words strung together. A no. Bachelor themed D&D campaign. <laughs> find someone who runs another please put me in touch i would love to compare notes hey listeners if you if you get the bill make sure to tweet at them please <laughs> but what about you greg what do you what do you draw your inspiration from yeah a lot of it can be past campaigns that sort of thing as i mentioned my dad started me playing so i feel like a lot of things uh, that have become one thing in particular that has become a staple of all my campaigns is like some weird, I, I, I don't, I, like a half remembered, maybe misinterpretation of something my dad had. Uh, <laughs> we had this like one monster that was like a, a circle of talking rocks and they couldn't move, but they could cast magic and they'd 
they would offer you uh, gifts of power and the gift of power was always just that they would slowly turn you into a rock. <laughs> oh, I remember when you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that in like, I try to fit that into as many campaigns as possible. Oh Fitting gosh. it into the sci-fi campaign is going to be a trip. But, and so, so like, I, I feel like I like motifs like that. But um, when it comes to inspiration that's not from uh, other games I've played, a thing that I've really enjoyed doing is I like taking, you mentioned music. I really like... Uh, Moon music is one thing, but I like just taking like a like weird like songs and like you know like folk songs or ballads or stories like that, and then sort of like taking inspiration from those for for NPCs or even characters sometimes. Like yeah. in our Stars Without Number game, I adapted a song. I don't know; it's probably not the Whiskey in the Jar you're thinking of, maybe. But there's <laughs> like uh, there's one song, Whiskey in the Jar, about like um, about this guy who like holds up uh, a captain for for money military captain for money and then he comes home and uh his lover is like not happy that he's robbing for a living so while he's asleep she like tosses his uh his gun into the river and like steals his sword and like calls the captain and he gets arrested and so oh, wow. one setup for for uh the stars World number game was on a space station uh some an officer who had like uh drone connected to his head and like uh, a sword because we have swords in space like nice. the inciting incident was the player stumble upon him confronting the captain for some like injustice and like threatening him and then going back and like his other officer is like not happy with him so she like sabotages his like drone and <laughs> the the setup was uh that that character uh, is a guest character that i have stefan play he knows the basic setup and we, we're past that scenario now, so it's become his own. But like, <laughs> I, I, I really like I really like taking weird inspiration and like and like embracing my own misconceptions or my own like initial like my own initial uh, thoughts that I get yeah. with with that sort of thing. I I I honestly can really relate to that because whenever I asked this question to Guy and Stefan, my answer was music, yeah. And I tied it into like the, when I used to do a lot of writing before I got into D&D and stuff like that though, but like I would also, I would misinterpret like certain like song lyrics or, or phrases that someone sang, you know, that just like either stuck out to me or I just heard wrong and that it sounded cooler than what was actually said. Yes. And then, yeah. And then, but I would turn it into things that would later become D&D campaigns. And, and often those misconceptions of lyrics or, or words were just the extra push I needed to uh, like just what I, in my opinion, just pushed it over the edge to something where I was pleased with it and where I thought it was more creative and imaginative, I guess. Can you give us an example or did you already give them one? I don't want to. Um, no, well, um, you can cut terms... this later. <laughs> ah, yeah. Well, in terms of misinterpretation and lyrics, if that's what we're talking about, or or just in terms of how I use music to create like a D&D setting. Both or whichever one. Uh, I'm yeah. interested I'm... in the misinterpretation, personally. Yeah. It goes into... So whenever I was, again, big into writing, certain things would stick out to me to where... Uh, and I would listen to a bunch of different music, though, but uh, <laughs> I personally am a big metalhead. Mm. And so I listen to a lot of really music that you would not want your mother to listen to. <laughs> but, like, I would... You know, obviously, they're growling and they're screaming. So, like, so it, misinterpretation is, like, a... A common thing. Well, 
I would mishear certain lyrics to where they would give emphasis on different things than what they're actually saying. Like one of them was, um, I, I can't remember exactly, but the way I misinterpreted it was to go along with how they could, they themselves in this song were like being cursed by the sun to never sleep again or something like that. Mm-hmm. What I, what my ear took it as though. And that was just like, it hit in my head to where, I created this entire, and it's like a written saga that I have, like in a binder of mine, of of how this person is a is a dreamer in this like dimension called the astrality, and he wakes up in like a prison of like at well, it's called a prison of ash, but like just encapsulated, buried in ash, and he rises up. He has no memory of who he is, what he's doing. And in this plane, it's like an endless scape of like day and night. And whenever it goes into day, he he gets like severely like burned by the sun. Like he's like a vampire almost, but he's not a vampire. And like he can never dream. He can never go to sleep. He can never dream. And that's like what he knows innately that he must do it to be out of this uh, existence. Like this limbo is to finally be able to sleep and to dream. And it, it goes on like a weird, like, uh, I'm not in any way religious, but it like dives into like a Christianity style religion to where it turns out that he is actually like the son of the God of this dimension. Mm-hmm. And he, his own father, like banished him from the realm because the son did not agree with how he was treating the, his subjects or the people existing in this dimension. So every time, like at the end of the saga, he confronts his father, but again is cast out and cast down to the the base of this huge mountain, basically. And the cycle just repeats and repeats and repeats. And it's just like after mishearing a, a lyric about like, oh, I can never sleep because of the sun or something like that. It like created this whole epic adventure campaign setting in my mind of just, you know, fantasy bullshit. That fucking rules. Yeah, that's extremely cool. Holy shit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's weird though how like you can gain a lot of inspiration. Maybe not weird, but it's it's just awesome how much you can gain inspiration from different avenues like that though. My final question to you, and I asked this to Guy and Stefan as well. Do you like imagination in anything? Like what is something that you find yourselves having either a hard time with or maybe just like I said, just lacking in? I think I said it earlier, I am pretty bad with like the more gamey stuff, which like, which I'm, I'm fine with. I've got all these friends who are great at making like cool spells and cool magical items. And I'm just, I'm like, not great at the, at balancing like powers and coming up with cool, like, like shit to to do which is is my cross to bear and it's it's like something it's something that i could get better with at practice uh with practice probably but i don't i don't i'm not super bothered by it i've always found ways to have fun playing regardless and so to me it's just fun enough to watch other people take that kind of stuff on descriptive language uh i'm 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 not the best at that and I, I, that's part of why I outsource the passenger descriptions to the players who goes on a train, because like I, I feel, I feel like it's 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 definitely a weakness on my part because in my head I'm always just like, oh, 
there's a box in this room and a ladder. That's all that freaking matters. And it's just like, no, it's super, like, I should really mention what else is in this room. I should really think to describe uh, what else this person looks like. But I just, I, I'm so bad at it. At our, yeah. or like, I'm bad at articulating it because I, 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 I'll have an image in my head and I'll, like, say, like, just, like, the bare minimum of something. And then I'll thoughtlessly sometimes just, like, not elaborate. Yeah. I have, that's, I have received the writing advice before, because description is a fucking bitch. I have received the writing advice before, though, that you really only need to give as much, like, as much as is necessary to anchor your reader slash player. So, like... One of the cool things about imagination is like that people interpret different things in different ways. So I feel like it is enough to say like this person is, you know, tall and blonde and uh, wearing a suit. And some people will picture that person as uh, pale. Some people will picture them as darker. Some people will picture them with blue eyes, brown eyes, green eyes, like I think the goal is less sometimes to convey the exact image in your head so much as it's to give whoever you're talking to a starting point to make their own image. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. No, I think it was a guy who, and I think I mentioned this before too, but he was saying too, like his descriptions of of the scenery, I think he said was, he felt it was subpar. But again, like, I only really think you only need like the bare bones. Like you were saying, you just need the bare minimum, really. And it just leave it up to your players to formulate in their own imaginations of what is around them in there. Because each person's mind is so unique and individual that, you know, you know, obviously that what you, Hannah, and you, Greg, are imagining. And if I were to give a description of a, a woman standing on a lake draped in a green silk sash with uh, like flowing white hair just b- below a, a full moon. Like each year's imagination is so probably different at the point of, of certain details, but like you get the bare bones of like what you need to know mm-hmm. or what you need to know. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's too bad thing though. And, and I don't think people need to, I don't think people should worry too much about it because you know, as long as you're still having fun and you can, you know, have that fun, then that's pretty much all you need, really, right? Yeah, yeah. I still need to work on it though, because uh, <laughs> one of our main one of our main NPCs that goes on a train, uh, known as Candace, I think currently her physical attributes are is a middle aged woman and has a cigarette holder. <laughs> I've been picturing her with red hair. Yeah, I, it's one of those things where I realize I'm like, haven't mentioned like much at all about her but it is it is nice it is nice to hear you both uh offering such a solution for that because i'm sure there are plenty of others like me who are not good (laughs) at descriptive language well that again that i think that's perfectly fine man i don't think you should worry about it though yeah thanks bro hey you're welcome bro i got you man oh my god well, that basically wraps up all the questions I had for you guys, except for my my very last little tidbit of getting your advice. What would you say to people who are uncomfortable stepping into such a vast world of imagination as tabletop role-playing games uh, who would like to take that leap but are very apprehensive about it? Like, What would you say to them in order to encourage them? I would say that it's like entering a pool. 
you don't need to jump into the deep end from the get-go. As you get more comfortable, you can start to get more into that. You might be dipping your toes in with just like rolling your attacks and being like, oh yeah, I hope we beat this uh, goblin that's like to you just a bunch of hit points. And if you're having a good time, you'll find how you enjoy it and you'll slowly get deeper into the parts that you like. So don't yeah. get turned off. Don't get like, don't see Matt Mercer doing something crazy and think like, do I have to be like that? <laughs> and oh, it's God, like, no, yeah. you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. I think the first game I ever played, I Greg, my DM, made made my whole character sheet for me because I was like the numbers and, and classes and words were freaking me out. I think the only thing that I decided was like my character's name and like the hints of a backstory. And then I just kind of started playing. So like, and like as time went on, I kind of got the ropes. And the next game I played, I wasn't afraid of the mechanics anymore. And I started going more and more in depth with my characters and started playing more and more systems. So like it, it, everyone, it's okay. I would very strongly second that basically. Like start at your own pace. You don't have to do anything all the time. And I would add, don't worry about being bad at it unless you are actively a dick to the people you're playing <laughs> with. I don't think, like, that's the only way I've really come across to be actively bad yeah. at RPGs. Yeah. Like, you're going to hang out with some people and, like, have fun. The end goal is to have fun. So just do kind of whatever feels right. And no one's going to be like, oh, you suck at this because that's not it's <laughs> then they're sucking at it then actually. they suck at it Joke's because on the you. only way to suck is to be actively a dick to the people you're playing with like <laughs> the goal is to have a good time you don't have to be matt mercer or anyone else true that's beautiful don't be a dick yeah don't be a dick uh, yeah don't be a dick well when and where for the listeners can you tell them when and where they can catch your show all right. Uh, we're on uh, most places you can find uh, podcasts. Anchor is our hosting site, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all that good stuff. We're even on Podbean. I, I, I use Podbean for some things. I've I, never know, even heard know, of this, and I'm on there, apparently. And come out uh, every other Thursday in the wee hours of the morning. You can find us on Twitter at uh, ghosts underscore train. Mm-hmm. Uh, or email us at uh, ghosttrainpod at gmail.com. Ooh, <laughs> Was Ghost fancy. Train taken? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a tough thing. There's already podcasts talking about ghost trains, the phenomenon, and oh, we're ghosts on a train, so... <laughs> I feel like I feel like ghost trains, like a ghostly spectral train, is far. What's the opposite of superior, inferior, than having an adventure of of ghosts on a train? So, well, thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I asked them this, and they gave me the answer, and I'll be happy to let you guys shout this out too. Do you have anything else to shout out? I run another podcast about the 2010 television show Glee. It's very different from any actual play stuff because I'm a multifaceted person. But yeah. it's the if you watched Glee in 2010, you probably know what a shit show it was. Oh, uh, boy, yeah. And you probably also 
at least on some level know that it was this like weirdly political phenomenon and there's a lot to discuss about it. So that podcast is called The Glee Watch and you can find us on Twitter at The Glee Watch because no one had taken that. Interesting. <laughs> that is honestly something I had not heard about for certain <laughs> before. It's a little weird. <laughs> well, that's fine, though. I'm, I'm happy that you, you can shout it out, though. And we will uh, yeah. probably, seconds, because I, I know they did mention, bail funds in community orgs yes. for yes. protests involving a Black Lives Matter movement, because I have a, a horrible feeling that things might not be, things might be better whenever this episode does come out, but <laughs> I have a feeling okay. we still have a ways to go when it comes to equality. <laughs> yeah, one can only hope that this, and I'll say it, this bullshit is settled to where people can actually use their minds about thing about what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. But thank you very much for, for shouting out the Bail Funds Project. That is a- absolutely wonderful. Listeners, please check out Ghosts on the Train. Uh, if you have not already, please, please, please do it. Thank you, Greg and Hannah, for coming on here and talking with me. I've had a wonderful conversation with you two. And I would love to have you guys on in the future if that could all ever be yes. possible. Yes. And no joke. Okay, no joke. We've oh been God. doing. Okay, we've been doing with Ghost on a Train. Uh, the game assumes you have four people, and I've got three players. <laughs> so every other line, I'm sort of doing guests, and I'm I'm literally not kidding when I say one day it might be pretty great if you want it to be a guest. <laughs> <laughs> I would absolutely love that. Honestly, yes. I have, and I was talking to Stefan and Guy, where it's like I suffer from forever dm syndrome uh and so any chance to get to be a player is wonderful to me take and my thank hand you so brother <laughs> take my hand <laughs> absolutely well both of you it's been a wonderful wonderful pleasure listeners please again check out ghost on a train also check the description i'll be putting some more uh info and little tidbits in there but uh, lastly just thank you both of you so much for joining me thank you for having us this was super fun thank you this was good i'm glad that you guys had a lot of fun thank you so much listeners for joining us i will see you the next time you open the ironbound chest Hey everyone, it's the end of the show, so that means it's time for shoutouts. I want to give a big shoutout to Tim Carr, John Wolfe, and Weasel Milthenworth Brimley Elderberry III. Thank you all so much for your support. It means a whole lot to me, and I just want to say again, thank you. Uh, and listeners, if you would like to show some extra support, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash the Ironbound Chest to check out my Patreon. For $2 a month, uh, you can get some cool things like shoutouts and access to my Discord server. And then the higher tiers receive early access to episodes and even the ability to submit a question for my guests. And please don't forget to rate and review this podcast on iTunes as it does help out a great deal. Uh, But thank you all for listening and I'll see you next week.